And this morning is part 31, if you're keeping track. Susie kind of chided a little bit, saying, well, some people can preach forever on a couple verses. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I could go back and, and uh, start all over again and preach different services, messages out of it, because there's so much in God's Word. And it's amazing how you can read something for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden one day you're reading it, and it means something to you, and you just say, Wow. How come I didn't see that before? Have you ever done that? I do that a lot. Noticing more stuff in there than you've ever had. And, and uh, that's why we want to keep doing it. Because god can, that's the main way that God speaks to us. Now, you remember the Sermon on the Mount is a progression of things. People like to cherry pick the verses out of the Sermon on the Mount and say, you know, I like this one, I don't like this one. We like the ones, blessed are the poor in spirit or blessed are those that suffer. We like those. Man, we'll just cherry pick those and say, oh, at least I'm going to be blessed because I've been going through it. The devil's really got me this week. Well, you got to do the other stuff. First of all, you have to be a believer. If you're not a believer, hey, forget the Sermon on the Mount because that stuff isn't going to make any sense to you. We can't claim those things if we don't serve God. And we, it's a progression from things in there, the fruit of the Spirit that's there. It's a progression. We become a believer, and then God starts planting fruit in our life. And that's when it happens. It's hard to have fruit unless you got the seed planted. Have you ever tried to go out and pick apple trees off your pine tree? You can't, can you? It has to be planted. An apple tree has to be planted if you expect to have apples. Well, as believers, we can't have the fruit of the Spirit unless God plants the seed in our lives. And we don't have to fight to get it to grow. I mean, sure, I know when we plant apple trees or cherry trees or whatever it is, we have to, you know, go out and take care of the thing, water it, fertilize it, do all those other kind of things, and the same thing applies to our spirit, too. But if we don't do that, it, we aren't going to have apples or cherries or whatever it is. We have to plant the tree, and God is the one that does the planting. So and we're in Matthew, the seventh chapter, verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks the doors will be opened. Oh man, we really like this verse, don't we? Man, we just get so excited about this. Oh man, I'm asking God for this and he's going to give it to me. All right, hallelujah. We think that God's up there like our grandpa. I never had a grandpa, but I know that how, how the kids are with Randy, our grandkids. And uh, they come and, you know, they love their grandpa. About anything they want, grandpa will give it to them. Grandma too, but, you know. <laughs> we say, we tell the parents when they come, our house, our rules. We don't want your kids to eat chocolate. Too bad if we have chocolate, they, you know, they can have it. <laughs> Same with the dogs. We're puppy watching this week. And uh, Brittany and... And then Billy came over this week, and I'm at Kenya. They opened the door and knocked on the door, and I'm at Kenya. They didn't know what to think about all these noisy dogs, six dogs barking at them. And Sheldon's dogs have a higher-pitched bark than ours do. Oh, man, those things, are they just, ugh. So when you get in a small room and you got six of them, it's kind of, could be terrifying. But uh, we had to, uh, exciting, but we can't claim those things unless, first of all, we have to be a child of God. You can't claim this. And there are other things that apply. We sit there and we like that, 
but God isn't our grandpa. We don't just go up there. And I know that uh, we love our grandkids to visit. And God likes us to visit. And, but God isn't going to give you all the things like a real grandpa will. Because, see, you know, I like it being a grandparent because it's so much fun. You know, your kids, you say, you know, the mother's curse, it works, kids. The mother's curse works. Because I told my kids, I hope you have kids just like you. <laughs> and guess what? They did. And if they're hyper, they come over to grandma's. Oh, let's have some more sugar. Here, chocolate, cake, cookies. <laughs> and then you get to send them home. Isn't it fun? Man, I love being a grandma. It's exciting. And then the parents say, oh, man. But my kids are glad we got saved because we promised to teach our grandkids how to write on the walls <laughs> in words that they aren't very happy about. Well, we got saved, and they're really, really glad about that. But uh, <laughs> we like to cherry pick verses. And remember, it's a progression. The Sermon on the Mount, it progresses. So when you get to this point, it means a whole lot different than it does when you just come out of the woods, oh, I like that. Oh, man, all I got to do is ask it. I'm going to get it. All right, I like that. But there's several reasons why believers fail to receive their answers to their prayers. And I know that sometimes we sit there and we... Uh, Pray and we pray and we, how come I don't get any answer to my prayer? And I don't understand all the reasons why we don't get what we pray for. But I knew, do know six reasons that I'm going to talk about this morning of why we don't get answers to our prayers. And uh, some people think that God answers other people's prayers, but they won't answer ours. I remember when Randy got saved, I got so irritated. Everything he prayed for, he got it. And it was like microwave prayers. Man, I got so frustrated, and so if I started giving him my prayer list, <laughs> you know, I got to thinking, hey, what am I, an orphan? <laughs> but sometimes God does this to people, build up their faith. God has lots of reasons for the way he does things, and we have to understand that, but it's very frustrating sometimes. See, I always have enough faith that God will answer your prayers, and that sometimes I have a hard time he'll answer mine. Isn't that true? We do that, and that's why sometimes when I pray for people, I tell them, don't you pray. Because I have a lot of faith, God will heal other people. Sometimes, you know, I don't know about me. Because our faith changes there. Because it's easier for us to believe for others than it is for ourselves. And that's why we pray for others, for that very reason. But I, I, there are six reasons why we don't see, receive answers to our prayers that I've noted. And the first is a lack of per persistence. Now, some people think, somebody think, people think that if God already knows what, we're, what we need, then why do we have to ask? He, God already knows what we need, so why do we ask? Well, I think that God wants us to ask because he wants to see how important that thing is to you. And then he wants to see if it's important enough to pray more than once and if it's important enough to persevere and just, you know, get through there. Because a lot of things, you know, kids, Christmas time, they ask for a lot of stuff, don't they? I mean, their lists are this long. And they have the, what I call the throw the spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. And they kind of think, well, if I ask for a lot of stuff, then parents are going to feel guilty and they're going to give you some of it anyway. And that's kind of the way that we are. Well, I'm going to ask God for all this stuff, and then maybe he will give me 10%. Tithes are 10%. Maybe prayer answered is 10%. So I'm going to pray 100 prayers, and I'm going to get 10% of them. Hey, that's pretty good, isn't it? And that's the way our theology is. But God wants to know, is this prayer that important to us? 
Because if sometimes we pray and we really don't care. Have you done that? You've been praying, well, I feel obligated, I have to pray, but I really don't care. I've done that, oh, I've got to put in my time, I've got to pray for this prayer list, I pray list. I said that I would, so I've got to do it, and it's more of an obligation. And uh, as long as that's the way we look at prayer, of course, we're not going to get an answer, are we? Um, Luke 11, 5 through 8. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. If we knock and no one comes to the door, and we know they're home, and we just leave, we're going to leave and do without, aren't we? But if you really want something, we're going to keep knocking and knocking and knocking. Have you done that? You know they're home, and you're just going to knock till they come to the door. Sometimes, and I know that, uh, you know, we've done this. People come to the door, and you kind of look out the corner, look out the curtain. Oh, I don't want to answer the door. Turn the TV down. <laughs> and they still so knock and knock and knock, and hopefully they'll go away. But sometimes we need to knock and 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 knock until they come to the door, because pretty soon they'll get tired of the noise. Now, <clears throat> this, in this uh, story, they kept knocking and knocking and knocking until they finally got up, not because of their friendship, but because they were being bugged com constantly. Now, in the, this culture, if you understand just a little bit right here, if somebody comes to visit you, and you don't have food or something to feed them, it's a terrible embarrassment to you. Nowadays, you say, hey, I, you know, sorry, I don't have nothing to feed you. It's not a big deal. But to them, that was an insult. So that's why that spurred them, you know, to go even further to be able to get their request uh, answered. So <clears throat> now I'm not talking, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not talking about a kid throwing a fit in the store when, you don't get, when they don't get something. You know what I'm talking about? The kids go down, they throw themselves on the floor, and they start kicking and screaming. And what really amazes me is the parents say, okay, don't do that, Johnny, I'll get it for you. What did the parent learn, and what did the child learn? It's all you got to do. Throw a fit, you get what you want. If you have a child like that, parents, I have a cure. It's called a spray bottle full of water. And you carry it everywhere you go, or a glass of water. Have it everywhere you're at. And I guarantee you throw water on them in the face, they're going to stop. Jason, our oldest son, used to bite poor little Sheldon on the arm all the time. He was a biter. And I would bite Jason back. Quit biting your brother, and I'd bite, and you'd go somewhere, and both of them have teeth marks, bruises on their arms. Just have to give them more long sleeve shirts. It didn't work. The only thing that broke that habit was throwing water in Jason's face when he bit him. And it stopped it like that. Parenthood 101. And uh, thank you, brother. So if you're having a problem with that, that'll do it. I guarantee it. 100% success. Because my kids, if it works for my kids, it'll work for yours. Amen? Of course, you know, we don't like to hurt little Johnny. <laughs> well, little Johnny needs it <laughs> sometimes. So boldness and persistence in these verses got what they needed. And we need to have the same kind of persistence in our own prayers. 
Uh, Luke 18, 2 through 5. There was a, in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me mine adversaries, for he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this wid widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest she continually come, keep coming, she worry me. We do without many times in our life because we give up. We say, oh man, I've been praying for this thing for, for two weeks, and I, I guess I'm not going to get it, so I just might as well quit praying. Guess what? You won't get it. See, because God wants, wants us to get past the time that we think the prayer should be answered. We have this idea in our minds that, hey, if I pray for something for two weeks, surely God's going to give it to me by the end of two weeks. Then I guess it isn't God's will. I get it. And we quit. So, oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's a year. Do you have something that you're praying for that you're willing to pray for for 40 years? Because sometimes that's what it takes. Especially if you're praying for lost loved ones, sometimes it may take 40 years. But the minute you give up, they don't have anyone praying for them. And when we don't have somebody praying for us, I'll tell you, it's a miserable world. When we pray for somebody, it, help, it helps God move in their lives, and it may cause problems in their life. So don't, get it, don't be uh, surprised if all of a sudden they get meaner in a hornet's nest. Because when we pray for them, God's going to deal with them. And God deals with them some, sometimes in ways they don't like. And you can just sit back, and when the problems are happening, just smile. God's answering my prayers. Yay. Don't tell them that, but they wouldn't like it. But anyway, that's what we need to do. We need to keep praying. Keep praying. Don't ever give up. Um, <clears throat> Matthew 7, 7 and 8 again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now this verse, if you're not paying attention, is a progression. You ask. That's the first step. You seek and you will find. You will knock and the door will be opened to you. It's not a casual, nonchalant answer prayer. We have a lot of things we pray for. We don't care one way or the other if it gets answered. We may not say that, but we don't really care about it in our minds. That's why we need to be persistent. The things that really matter in our life are going to be the things we continue to pray for, aren't they? So, now I remember when our kids were little, Jason was about five and Sheldon was around two. And I'm not kidding you, Sheldon, or he used to take Sheldon everywhere he went. Now, we had a five-foot fence in our backyard. And he used to climb that five-foot fence and get his brother over the five-foot fence and take off. Now, I'm in there, they're out in the yard, and I think, okay, that's fine. I'm trying to get stuff around the house done. And I look out there, and they're gone. Have you been there, parents? You know, I'm not kidding you. They used to take off. And, man, I'll tell you, you just get frantic. I mean, your heart starts beating 90 miles an hour. And you say, man, where are they? So you call everybody that you know. You call the police. Man, you're, you're, you're looking everywhere. You're frantic. I lost my thing again. And uh, am I kidding? You're just frantic. It's, oh, I'll leave it there. It's okay. That's just a spit screen. I try not to spit. That'll work. <laughs> so, and you're frantic because of it. And that's the kind of seeking that God says you're supposed to have when you're praying. 
If your child is lost, you're going to start looking. You start knocking on doors. And we never found them until they were on their way home. Just amazing to me. You could look two or three hours, four hours later, and all of a sudden you see him dragging Sheldon down behind on the street. You know, 100 yards away, dragging Sheldon. Come on, you know. Just amazing to me. But that's the kind of seeking and asking we need to do if we want a prayer answered. Is our request that we're praying for that important? Just look in your own heart as a parent how frantic you are. Be that frantic when you're praying about the things that you pray about. James 4.3 <clears throat> When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. The second reason we don't receive answers to prayer is because we ask with the wrong motives. Asking for the wrong things or the wrong motives can, can cause our prayers not to be answered. And we may not admit it, but sometimes we ask for things with the wrong motive. Oh, God, I want a new car. Oh, Lord, I want a new car. Why? So you can brag to the neighbors that you got a new car. Because, oh, man, if you buy a new car, that means you're successful. So I want to be successful, so I want a new car. God, I need a new car. Please give me a new car. The motives are wrong. If, now, I'm not saying you can't pray for a new car because you can just easy to God to give you a new car as it is a, a used car. And it's just easy for, you, for God to give you a wreck as a non-wreck. It's just easy for God to give you a Mercedes as a Chevy. It is. But the problem is the difference in our heart about the situation. That's what we need to look at. Because if our motives are wrong, God isn't going to answer those prayers. And we need to start searching our motives. Why are we praying for that? Put up the next slide. God answers prayer in four ways. Yes, no, maybe, and you've got to be kidding. <laughs> you know, sometimes God's up there, and I, I just see him when I'm praying. and say, hey, calls the angels over. Did you hear what she just said? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> there are some requests like that. And with, our kids do it too, aren't they? They come and ask you for stuff, and sometimes you're going, where did they get that from? And I think, you know, it's just amazing to me, but I'll bet God does that sometimes. But uh, that's the way God answers prayers sometimes. Matthew 9, 7, 7, 9 to 11. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts, good gifts to those who ask him? Now, Jesus lets us know that God wants us to give good gifts to us. God wants to do it more than your earthly parents want to give you stuff. And, man, I'll tell you, as parents, if you've got a lot of money, we give our kids everything. You see it all the time. And what happens to the kids? They're, they're juvenile delinquents, rich people. End up, what, a lot of them. We, we see them on the news. I was watching a couple uh, uh, documentaries, one on Marilyn Monroe and, the, and on Elvis Presley. And they had it all, didn't they? But were they happy? They had situations in their lives and they died young. Because of their lifestyle. They took pills to sleep. They took pills to wake up. They took all this stuff. 
And back in that era, though, that I didn't know is that the studio used to give their actors and actresses pills to keep them going so they worked long hours. And so they're the ones that created the problem. Of course, now I don't think they do that because it's detrimental and it destroys them. But when you have everything or can have everything, it isn't always a blessing. I keep telling you, you have just as much money as God can trust you with. I keep praying, God, honest, you can trust me with more. <laughs> you can. Oh, a new Cadillac. Be okay. Not a Cadillac. Not a Cadillac. A Mercedes. I don't have a Mercedes. Mercedes. We keep saying that, but God knows. And sometimes we're praying, and we're praying for snakes and don't even know it. But God, as a good father, does know. So we need to trust God and realize that, hey, sometimes I'm praying for a snake. And I do not want a snake. I was over to Pam's this week and talking to her, and she said they have a lot of snakes out their house. I don't like snakes. I don't like bugs. I don't like any of that stuff. But sometimes that's what we're praying for. Hey, when we're asking for this stuff, it's for the snakes to come and all this stuff to be detrimental to me and to you. So you need to understand that. So if your child asks you for a snake, are you going to give it to them just because they asked? We put locks on cupboards when our kids are little so they don't get into the cupboard and drink the bleach or the Drano because kids don't know any better. And when they get something they're not supposed to have, we slap their little hands. Anyway, we should. And the kids are stubborn. I remember when Jason was little. I mean, he's like, you know, he can just barely walking around, hanging on the coffee table. He climbs up on the coffee table and starts grabbing stuff. You know, because they think everything's mine. I think that's the first word they say after mommy or daddy. It's mine. And he does that, and I slap his hand because I vow I'm not putting stuff up for a kid. They will learn. And if the neighbor's kids come over, then you better slap their hands or I will because I'm not putting it up. They go to grab it and say, oh, I better put this up so they don't bother. No, you need to keep your, teach your kid. But I'm sitting, he touches that, and I slap his hand. Just looks at you. Slap it again. Just looks at you. You slap it again. Finally, you have to pry it out of his hand. Put it back. No! His hand is just beat red because of it. Because that's the way we are, isn't it? We tell God, mine, this is mine, mine, mine. Everything is mine. And if God don't give it to us, we think, oh, God, don't like me anymore. I can't have it. We start feeling bad. I'm not going to church no more because God didn't give me what I wanted. Yeah, isn't it? Then that's the way the world is. If everybody got what they wanted, every time they asked for something, this church would be packed. They'd be lining up, going in here to give their prayer requests. I'm going, that church, God, God listens to them down there. Now, God does listen to us down here. So I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm not proud. I'm thankful for that. So God knows when we're praying for snakes and we're asking with the wrong motives. Sometimes the best answer to prayer are the ones that God says no to. Maybe we don't see that right away, but we can see it later. I've heard stories about people that have prayed for a house, a particular house. They say, oh, God, I want that house so bad. And they've done everything they can to get that house. And in the end, they don't get it. And they're mad at God and mad at everything else because I didn't get that house. Little kid. <laughs> kicking and screaming on the floor. But then 
Six months later, they find out there's a problem with the foundation. So if they'd have got it, they'd have had a foundation problem. But see, God knew that. They didn't, but God did. That's why we have to trust God, to know when we're praying for things that aren't good for us. And quit pick ourselves up off the floor and quit kicking and screaming and be willing to let God say no. See, most of us as believers, we're not willing to let God say no to us because he's our grandpa. Grandpa's give you everything. Now, sometimes I wish that was the case, but it isn't. And I'm glad it isn't because there's a lot of things I, I'm glad he didn't give me. And you probably are too when you look back on your life. James. 5, 14, and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, that we have what we have asked for. Now, are you praying for something? It's in God's will. If it's in God's will, you're going to get it. Because he's going to hear us. And if he hears us, he's going to grant the request. But see, the problem is we don't know all the time what is in God's will. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. A lot of times, more often than not, we don't. That's why we pray, and we have to end our prayers according to your will. Let it be so. And that means we're allowed, letting God say no, because he knows better. But whenever asking something we know is his will, he's going to give it to us. There's no doubt you can't, you can't stop God from giving it to you. No matter how hard you try, you couldn't stop God from giving it to you if it's according to his will. But you have to find out what his will is first. And that sometimes that's hard because it's in here. It's in church on Sunday when you hear a message and God speaks to you, especially the things that I never say. He speaks to me with things I never knew I said either. <laughs> sometimes I'm just as surprised as you are at what comes out of his mouth. I pray, God, please help me don't say anything stupid. Because <laughs> I, I don't want to do that either. But we pray according to our will, so we have to do that by we seeking God. That's how we find it. We pray, and we read his word, we come to chair, we do all those kind of things, then we can find out what his will is, because it's in here. But sometimes we don't want to read it, because we don't want to know that. Because that means no. And until I hear the no, it's yes. Right? <laughs> Uh, let's see, sometimes we need to look a closer look at our request. Look at your prayer list and see, is this something that's in God's will? I know some people say, oh, I want to have a husband or I want a wife. Well, okay, that's why I pray that prayer, but make sure it's a believer. Pray for a believer. Don't just pray for a husband or a wife because the devil will answer that prayer for you. He will. He knows that if he can send somebody your way that's a non-believer, they'll tear you down. So say, hey, I want a believer. Send me a believing husband. Send me a believing wife. Because you don't want a non-believing one. Because they'll tear you down. I guarantee it. It's, hard, it's easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. Remember that. Hosea 4, 6b. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The third reason we don't see answers to prayers is a lack of, lack of knowledge. Some believers only know 15 to 20 scriptures in their whole life. That's all they know. And because if that's true of you, then no wonder you're not living a life of victory. Because we find victory in here. This is where we get it. And if all we know is a couple verses, 
couple verses isn't going to cut it. I mean, it's good that we read stuff here, and you're going to get a lot of verses this morning. But if you're not getting them Monday through Saturday, you're, you're cheating yourself, you're cheating your life. Because you will walk in defeat. Because this is what gives you the strength. Seeking God and reading his word. That's what does it. And the problem today, it was the same problem they had 2,800 years ago. And amazing how thing, history just keeps repeating itself over and over and over again. You'd think we'd learn, but we don't. So we keep repeating it. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now it says study to show thyself approved. It didn't say read to show yourself approved. It said study. Now you know the difference between reading and studying. If you're, when you went to school, you didn't read for a test, did you? You studied for a test. You read, went through that stuff over and over and over and over again. So you'd have the answer that you needed because you needed to study to show, the, show yourself approved. And when you study, it's amazing how God brings that stuff through you, through your mind and through your heart when you talk to somebody. And you're going to amaze yourself. Sometimes I talk to people and I say, wow, God, I can't believe how you did that. But he does. You get in a bind, God will get you out of that. But see, you have to put it in first. When you get a brand new computer and you go to the documents, there isn't going to be any there. You have to put it in there before you can recover it. And that's what, what God does. We put it in there, and God helps recover it when he needs it, when we need it. But it's hard to hear from God when we don't pray or study his word. It's hard. You can't, all impossible to hear from him. Uh, let's see. Psalm 66, 18. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear me. The fourth reason we don't receive answers to prayer is we have sin in our life. God isn't going to hear you. Now, we said if God hears you, he'll answer. Well, he isn't going to hear you if you have sin in your life. The only prayer that God promised to hear with sin in your life is the prayer of repentance. That's the only one he promised to hear. So if you're having problems in your prayer life and, you, and things just don't seem to be working out, look at your life. Ask God to say, is there sin in my life? And ask God to, to examine your heart because sometimes that's all you need. And then God will bring it to you, remember, and you confess it. All right, now God's starting to hear you again. And there's a lot of believers that aren't hearing from God or having answers to their prayers because they have sin in their life, and they will not deal with it. They make excuses for the sin. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, it doesn't matter if everybody's doing it or not. God didn't say it's okay as long as everybody's doing it. Especially today, we have a lot of things where everybody says it's okay. Well, God hasn't changed his mind. And as long as God doesn't change his mind, I can't change mine. So if God says it's not okay, it's not okay. I don't care what anybody else says. Psalms 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to help yourself and know how not to sin? Hide God's word in your heart. That means reading it, and that means memorizing it, putting some scriptures in your heart, because it'll keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from this book, or this book will keep you from sin. That's the reality of life. So if you're struggling with something, read more, pray more, and you'll find out how much easier it is to deal with that situation. 
We need to hide his word in our hearts in order to find out what promises we have. We can't stand on a promise unless we know where it's at. And there's what, 7,000 promises, I think it was, said this morning in the Bible? 7,000! I think out of those 7,000, you can find one that applies to you. I found a lot of them that's in there, and I claim them. And I say, God, this is what your word says. I am standing on your word. Uh-oh. I just caused somebody to lose their religion. <laughs> I've done that in prayer because I get so frustrated with it. I've done that. Say, God, I'm standing on your word, and I expect you to come through because you promised it. <clears throat> I guarantee you have that kind of attitude. Things are going to change in your life. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to know the word so our prayers won't be hindered and we need to know the word of God because it increases our faith. If you want to have more faith, read more. I uh, wrote a letter to Scott here a while back and he asked me about miracles. And so I told him to read, this, read the Gospels. You want to know about miracles? And, why, and if you want one, you need a miracle today, read the Gospels. Read about all the miracles that happened during that period of time. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ever, 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 ever. He never changes. So you need to believe in miracles before you can ask for one. And every day of our life today, we need a miracle. It's a miracle to even live in this world anymore, isn't it? Because it's a mess. And we need a miracle. But God can't do miracles today. <laughs> I went to that church over there and they said that God didn't do that anymore. Really? Same yesterday, today, and forever. We have that one tattooed right there on the wall over there in case you're interested. I think it's what it says, isn't it? Yeah. So we need to have that one. In, that should be one of the first things we need to know. Did he do it before? Then he can do it today. And he can do it tomorrow. Well, we have to claim it. If you need it, claim it. And you keep claiming it and praying about it. And God will change the situation. And he'll change you. He'll give you an answer one way or the other. Of course, you have to be willing to, to keep praying about it until he does. And don't put a time limit on it. If you think, I'm only going to pray about this for four weeks, well, guess what? The answer won't come till week five. That's the way it is. The minute you give up, your prayer is just lost. It's gone. It's over. <laughs> That's the way it is. We need to keep on keeping on. <clears throat> uh, Luke 37b. Forgive and you will be forgiven. In Matthew 5, 21 to 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be sub subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. The fifth reason we don't see, receive answers to our prayer is strife, anger, and unforgiveness. Now, some of us don't have problems with uh, sins of the flesh. You know, I'm not going to go out and commit adultery. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, Randy's got me pretty well spoiled. You know, I like steak better than hamburger. Especially when you never know what seasonings they put in that hamburger. <laughs> so I'm not tempted in that aspect of it. But there are some things I'm tempted to, tempted, and a lot of them's in my attitude. 
I'm mad at somebody. That's a sin, just as much as adultery is. We have a tendency to say, well, this sin's okay, but that one isn't. No, it isn't. You look at your word here, and God just calls it all sin, no matter what it is, whether it's the lust of the flesh or or the attitude or whatever it is. So if we're angry with somebody, it's a sin. If we have unforgiveness in our heart, it's a sin, especially unforgiveness, because God said, if you can't forgive, I won't forgive you. Now, that's scary. So search your life. Is there something you need to ask forgiveness for, or you're unforgiving? We do that without thinking sometimes. I don't like them. Why? Because they did something to me. So I'm, it's okay. You can forgive them, but you don't have to let them do it again. Some people think, oh, man, yeah, I'm supposed to forgive them. 70 times 70, and that's 490, and I don't know how much I can, that I can take. He didn't mean for the same thing. <laughs> if you're letting somebody do something to you 490 times, you have a problem. I won't let them do it again. If you have a problem with loaning somebody money, and they never pay it back, and they keep coming back for more, don't give it to them. Simple. Problem solved. <laughs> then you won't be angry with them anymore about it. And if, you're, if you loan somebody some money, be prepared not to get it back. <laughs> because that's one of the worst things that, that happen between relationships is that. That and working for somebody, a relative or something. Or having more than one family live in the same house. They said there's only room for one cook in the kitchen. That's very true. It's really hard. It's all right to visit, but man, get out of here when the time gets up. We love our grandkids to come and visit, but I'll tell you, I'm so glad when they go home because I like quiet sometimes. We'll go, oh, well, listen to that. What? Exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we love them, but we have to, you know, we want the, the peace and quiet too. Well, sometimes I think God wants some peace and quiet. Listen, from God gets tired of hearing us complain. Is that what your prayer life is like? Complain, 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 complain. That's all we know how to do is complain. My middle name is complain. And I'm working on making it my first name. <laughs> because we're really good at that. But we've got to change our heart and look at the reality of our lives. We need to get rid of the anger. If you're angry at somebody, just quit. It doesn't matter what they did to you. Don't be angry at them. Are you mad enough at them to go to hell over it? Better to forgive and get rid of it because it it eats you up. It just eats your insides and it will kill you. You'll be sick. There's physical sickness is caused from unforgiveness and anger and strife and all this other kind of stuff. Just ask doctors. They'll tell you that. That they've got, they don't, you know, they'll say, well, I don't know what's the matter with them. I can't find anything wrong with them. Run all the tests that that I can run and I just can't find a reason for all this. Well, ask them about their heart. Because when you have sin in your heart, you have heart trouble. And the only medication you can take for heart problems is confession and the word of God and letting him him heal you. God has healed a lot of problems in people's life. Not only he gives us a new direction, he promises to take us to heaven with him. He has promised to let us have life and more abundantly in this life. And if we're angry all the time and we're so full of strife and unforgiveness, we are not having life abundantly. I hate my life when I'm living in unforgiveness. So a person, if God only knew what they did to me, he wouldn't ask me to forgive them. 
Well, just look at what, what our sin did to Jesus. Has their problem or their sin against you worse than that? Have you been crucified for it? So we ain't got no reason to really hold a grudge against anyone, no matter what it is. And I know there's a lot of horrendous sins out there. But God said we have to forgive. That's what we have to do. We're required to. And God will let us do it. I've told God, you know, God, I'm willing to forgive, but help me do it. Help me not to remember it anymore. And that's what forgiving is, basically. It's not remembering. Because what happens when you, when you see that person that wronged you, you start mulling over what they did. And you just worry about it and worry about it and worry about it. Well, don't worry about it anymore. Just, to, just change the channel. That's what I do on the TV. I change the channel if I don't like something. So we've got to change the channel in our mind and in our heart. That's the way you forgive. Don't think about it. And you're going to be amazed how much your life will improve when you do that. Because unforgiveness tears you apart. It'll tear your family apart. It'll tear everybody apart. No matter whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, we have to forgive. God didn't say, well, these are the list of sins you can forgive, and these are the list we can't. didn't say that. He said, we are to forgive. No matter how bad it is, but we don't have to give them the, the same opportunity to hurt us again. Sometimes we let people hurt us because we aren't willing to uh, say no. If you said no to that person borrowing money, you wouldn't be having unforgiveness towards that person or strive for anger. So we need to understand that. And besides that, broken relationships and all these other kind of things can hinder our relationship with God and block the answers to our prayer. So look at your heart. Search your heart. Are you having anything like this in your life that you need to get rid of? James 1, 6 to 8. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of sea blowing, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all their way they do. We must believe and not doubt. That's a hard one. The sixth reason we don't receive answers to prayer is doubt and unbelief. You say, well, isn't that the same thing? No. Doubt is when, like I said, I doubt God, uh, I believe God will do it for you, but I doubt he'll do it for me. Unbelief is believe and not believing God will do it for anybody. Just like all the things in miracles, God doesn't do miracles today, that's unbelief. Doubt is, yeah, he'll, God will do a miracle for you, but he won't do it for me. That's doubt. So they are different, but they're, they're still at a, the, uh, a seed of those kind of things that go through our life. And pretty soon you're going to be doubting everything. <clears throat> and we say, you know, we'll pray for people. We'll pray for the sick, pray for a need. We'll pray for our loved ones to be saved. But then we no sooner get the prayer out of our mouth and say amen, and we end it with doubt. Oh, you know, yeah, I know that God's will for them to save them. But man, they're so honorary, I don't see how God can ever save them. You ever prayed that? Or you'll pray for the sick, and then you end up with, oh, man, that's... That's, that, that's really a serious disease. That's cancer. That's this or that. I don't think God can heal that. Doubt. Or you'll pray for a need to be met, and you'll say, well, if God doesn't answer it, I can do this. We have a plan B, don't we? Always have a plan B, because you can't trust God, which is our plan A, or it should be. We've got to start getting rid of the plan Bs and start trusting God and let him work it out the way he wants to. So we can't doubt what he needs to do. Proverbs 18, 21. 
The tongue has the power of life and death. Our words have, have power that we don't even realize that we have. Now, I'm not saying I can, I can lay my, my hand on it and say, say, make this a Cadillac, 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 Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. That isn't going to change this. It's always going to be this. <laughs> but it has the ability to either build up our faith or build up our doubt. We do the same thing with our kids. If all you do is tear your kids down with your mouth and your words, it'll destroy them. You have the power of death as far as your kids go. If you tell your kids, you know, especially you guys, dads, tell your daughter she's the most beautiful girl that God ever created. Because if you don't tell her, there's going to come around a dirt bag somewhere else that'll tell her, and she'll follow him. So you do all and tell them all the things you need to tell them because it's going to build up their self-esteem. And they're going to feel better about themselves. And they don't have to settle for a loser. You say, what's a loser? Well, if you're a parent, every one of them is a loser. <laughs> of course, my dad told, I think my dad liked Randy more than he liked me. <laughs> but we have a power in our, in our own mouth to speak good to our children. God bless you. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Play for your kids. Pray for their futures. Tell them how wonderful they are. Tell them, and everything that they do that they succeed, praise them for it. Don't worry about, oh, yeah, that was a good job of doing this, but you didn't do this. I don't care if, if they missed something around the, around the corner of the lawn. Say, you know, son, you did a great, great, great job mowing the lawn. Thank you. I appreciate it. Man, it's wonderful. You know, some kids miss the corners of the lawn, but you didn't. Don't look first, though. <laughs> then I guarantee they'll go out there and <laughs> mow around those areas. But build them up. You know, we have a saying, you get, get more flies with sugar, honey than you do vinegar. And that's true, especially with your kids. If you want them to do good, praise them for the good that they do. Don't just keep tearing them down for the bad things they do. They get enough of that out there. Don't you do it. Build them up. And you do the same thing with your faith. You can speak words of doubt, or you can speak words of, of unbelief, or you can speak words of faith. We have a choice. Jeremiah 1.12. <clears throat> oh, I must have missed that scripture. I'll read it. I thought I put it in there. I missed it. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Wow. God is watching to see that his word is fulfilled. So you find something in here and start quoting it to God, it's going to build up your faith, especially when God answers it. If he's promised something, it's amazing because he'll, he'll, he, God will never fail you. If you don't believe that, then I, nothing else matters. If you believe that God can't answer your prayer, he won't. No matter how much you pray about something, if you don't believe he can do it, he can't. If you believe God can do something, he can. Whether he can or he can't depends on what you believe. And so you need to build up your faith with your words. And then look back in your life and see all the times in your life that God answered your prayer. That's the best prayer thing that we have, or faith-building thing we have. We have a little book that Randy writes down all the requests every week from. And we can go back to look there for years and we can see where God's answered prayers. We can see it happen, and there's still some things we're praying for, but we still believe God can do it. There's not a thing in our life that God can't change. 
I mean, he created this world, so how hard is that problem that you're facing? If you don't believe God can't do it, your God's too small. I have a big God. You can have your little God if you want, but my God's big. Created the universe. Holds the world in his hands, so what's my little dinky problem to him? Nothing. But the, the thing that's amazing to me is he cares about that little problem of yours. They don't have to be big problems for God to care about. He cares about the little things that happen in your everyday life. He cares about it. And that's amazing to me. We have leadership in our government that don't care a, a hoot about anything about us. They know the people don't want that, and yet they do it anyway, because they don't care. Well, God cares. God cares about everything in my life and everything in your life. He cares about the small things, and he cares about the big things. It's easier sometimes to pray for the big things than it is the small things, isn't it? Sometimes we say, oh, don't worry about it, God. This small thing's pretty easy. I, can do this. I got this one. God don't ever want you to have this one. He wants to do it all because it builds our faith up. If you've never been healed or never known anybody that's been healed, you will never believe that, that God can heal unless you read the Gospels. You read it in here, and he's healed lots of people. Everybody that came to Jesus was healed. And the same reason he healed then is the same reason he heals today. What reason is that? To glorify God. A lot of times we have situations in our life that God wants us to pray about so he can be glorified. But when we walk around in doubt and unbelief and that, the world's going to say, hey, what happened to your God? And you say, oh, I don't know, he really let me down on this one. <laughs> God will never let you down. He will always give you an answer one way or the other. Sometimes it may take, take years. Sometimes they're microwave prayers like Randy used to pray. And the things he used to pray for weren't small things. I remember one of the big things he prayed for. He says, you know, this environmental stuff looks like it's going to be a great, great thing. He says, I think I'd like to get into that, God. Goes to work the following Monday. The boss comes in and says, here, you're our new environmental guy. Take all the classes you need. I said, man. <laughs> But God can do that. It's just easy for him to do that as it was this little prayer that I have. Don't lose faith. Know that God can do it. He heals the sick. He's healed cancers. He can heal a toothache, a headache. It doesn't matter. God can do anything. If you don't believe that, read some more. Read some more verses. Now, I know that uh, maybe you can identify with some of these reasons that I meant this morning. Maybe say, oh, yeah, maybe that's, that's where I'm at. Maybe you can't. But hopefully, thinking about these things will help you reevaluate your prayer life. Show the next slide there. I know there's more than six, six reasons. You can probably think of a lot more and just branch off of these. But number one, let's become more persistent asking, seeking, and knocking. That'll usually take care of a lot of issues right there. Be persistent. Don't give up. Because the minute you give up, you already answered your own prayer with no. I don't like no. I have never liked to hear the answer no. If there's a sign that says what pain, i got to verify it. They say stay off the grass, i got to get on the grass. And if I get away with it, I feel good. If not, they got to catch me. <laughs> Let, 
Let's redefine our prayers so that we are not asking for the wrong things or asking amiss or with wrong motives. Does God want me to have this? Am I asking this so I can just show off that God answered my prayer? I like to brag on God. I do. God did this for me, and that's great. But when you're bragging about God, are you bragging to show them how good you are? Even that. Even though the good stuff we can be having a right, wrong motive with. Let's strive to grow in knowledge of the word and not destroy it for lack of knowledge. See, a lot of times, you know, if we could just read that verse, man, if I could just find a verse that I could, that dealt with my situation, I know it'd be better. Well, it's in here. And it's so easy to find stuff now with the concordance and stuff. And if you don't, we have a, a program called eSword that has a lot of different Bibles on it. It has a concordance that you can just type up a word or something and it'll tell you where to find it. Really easy to use. So if you don't have that for your computer, your tablet or whatever it is, get it. I think we have copies of them here. If not, we'll get some more. Because it's amazing what's in there. Man, I'd love to have had this stuff when I was growing up. Oh, man, I'd love especially in college. All I had was a library. <coughs> and the problem was everybody in the school was in the library too. So... <clears throat> so now it's so great and wonderful to have the computer and have the kind of information that you have. Of course, I bought because of that period of time, I have a lot of books, thousands of books. <laughs> and I still like looking in books for stuff. I don't like to look on the computer. The only bad thing about a computer, though, I tell you, you've got to know God's word because I'm not going to look something on there and they'll lead you clear out in left field. And you'll say, what happened to my faith? <laughs> Be careful. Uh, number three, let's strive to grow in knowledge. Okay, we did that. Uh, let's confess and turn from our sins so our prayers will be heard. Confess your sins. Sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with it. Sooner or later. Why not be now? So your later will be a lot easier to deal with. Confess it. Get it out of your life. Now, God isn't up there looking for an opportunity to beat you up. Cliff last week talked about played king of the mountain. I know that I played that as a kid. King of Bunker Hill. It was so much fun knocking people down. Get up. King of Bunker Hill. Great. Well, sometimes we think that's what God is. He's up there on Bunker Hill, and we come up with a request, and he, no. No. God didn't like that. We got to change our attitude about God. Now, maybe you didn't have a good father when you was a child. Growing up. Get rid of that idea about who God is because he's called our father. But if you had a bad father, that isn't him. God is the perfect father. And he knows everything about us. Sometimes if parents would have just understood their kids, they could have encouraged them in the right direction. But sometimes, especially uh, parents that are policemen, their kids are kind of forced to be policemen. Or if they're doctors, they're kind of forced to be doctors. God doesn't do that. God knows what you need to be. And he will push you and guide you that, that, in that direction. Our real fathers sometimes don't do that. Of course, my dad says, all he wanted me to do is be a, grow up to be a law-abiding citizen and work and pay taxes. Well, I succeeded in that. He didn't, he didn't tell us what, what to do for a career. Otherwise, I'd been working at Candy Club because that's where he worked. Some days I wish I would have. I wouldn't have got hurt with all the things I had if I chose that career. <laughs> but 
but when during that period time frame, though, women weren't really allowed in a lot of jobs. So it was kind of a, I was kind of a um, forefronter or front frontier person, kind of broke that through, and I had to argue a lot of times because they didn't think women can do that. Well, to me, that's like saying sick them to a dog. Oh yeah, <laughs> watch. <laughs> so. Let's root our anger, out anger, strife, and unforgiveness so our prayers won't be hindered. Look for things in your life. If, you're, if you see someone you have a, that you uh, have unforgiveness toward, forgive them. That's all you can do. Just do it. Doesn't make any difference. God will help you. Finally, let's not cancel our prayers with talk of doubt and unbelief. That's one of the biggest things we do. Believe God when he says what he says he will do. Believe that. Do you believe that this morning? If you go by these things here, you're going to find out your prayer life's going to change. You're going to start saying, wow, it works. Yes, it does. I know it from experience. And if I could go through here, the congregation here this morning, I can have a lot of people say, yes, it does work. God answers prayers. Amen? Let's pray. President, Father, Lord, thank you for this day, Lord, and your blessings, Lord. We're thankful for everyone that's here. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help each one of us, Lord, to hide these words into our hearts, Lord, and that we might not sin against you, Lord, but we may not doubt either. Help us, Lord, to be persistent, Lord, in things that we ask for and willing to hear and answer no from you without us being unhappy at you. I know that's the hardest thing for us to do because we think that we should have everything that we want just because we want it. Lord, help us, Lord, to, to live a life that's pleasing to you.